Romans 8, verses 18 through 23. Holy Scripture says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for Yahweh's children to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage of corruption into the glorious freedom of Yahweh's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. And not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. May Yahweh bless His Word to our hearts today. Amen. Father, I pray that You allow me to get through this sermon. May I make it easier to understand only with Your help. Forgive me for my transgressions, Yahweh. Continue to enlarge my heart that I might run the way of Your commands. Give us a good understanding through Your Son, Yeshua. Amen. I was getting out of my car at the movies one time and I saw these parents who had two little girls probably around the age of 10 years old, and they were lifting their daughters out of this van into wheelchairs. I'm not sure if the girls were twins, but they looked like twins. And the girls were paralyzed in part of their body where they could not walk. But the girls were smiling and the parents were smiling as they rolled their daughters into the movies. I got a phone call one time from a brother in the faith who was in tears and he could not speak to me for maybe a minute or so. And when he stopped crying, he said, Brother Matthew, I've called to ask if you could do a funeral for my son. His wife had carried their baby full term and the little baby boy was born still. It was one of the saddest things that I have ever done. And I will never forget where I was on a job site when I got a phone call that our brother Jerry Kirk had had an accident while cutting down a tree in his yard. He was such a kind man, a friendly man, and a holy man. He had a lot of life left to go, but he left us that night. And when I got to the hospital in my work truck, I walked up to his son Josh and I hugged Josh and I had no words. He had lost his dad. Why do things like this happen? If we serve a good Creator, why does He allow these things to take place? This is a big deal with atheists and agnostics. There have been books written called The Problem with God or Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? And they ask the question that if God is good, why does not He stop all the pain and all the suffering that goes on in the world? I've asked that same question before as I've walked down the hallway in the ICU and I've wanted to be able to heal everybody 
that was there. You may not want to think about this question, but it's a question that I've been asked many times as a pastor when people come to me looking for answers to big and heavy questions. And I don't always have the answer to those questions. I have learned that part of being a good shepherd is to just say, I don't know when I don't know. But another part of being a good shepherd or pastor is to study the Bible, to meditate, and to learn and to work towards answering the difficult questions that people ask. One thing, I touched on this in my last lesson, one thing is foundational and that is this. When a problem or a sickness or a calamity happens, it had to either be caused directly by Yahweh or either allowed indirectly by Yahweh. We learn that Yahweh causes calamity by looking at the plagues that He sent on the Egyptians. Yahweh was the one that brought those plagues on Egypt. Or when He made the ground open up and swallow the rebellious Israelites in Korah's rebellion in Numbers chapter 16. Those are places where Yahweh directly causes calamity. We learned of Yahweh's allowance of calamity in the last lesson by looking some at the book of Job. It's not that other humans can't afflict us. And it's not that Satan or his demons, his angels, can't afflict us. We can be afflicted in all those ways, but the book of Job teaches us that Satan had no power to afflict Job unless Yahweh gave him that power. And Job understood this. And this is the reason that Job says there at the end of the first chapter of that book, Yahweh gives and Yahweh takes away. Not Satan takes away. Yahweh takes away. This is why he said towards the end of the second chapter, he told his wife, should we accept only good from the Almighty and not adversity as well? So Job's theology placed Yahweh at the top. Someone had to be sovereign in this world. My sovereign, I mean, have the most power. And if it is not Yahweh that has sovereignty, if it's not Yahweh that has the most power, then it could be Satan, or it could be you, or even me. And there are people that try to escape this problem of sickness and disease and calamity by just saying, Yahweh doesn't have anything to do with it. It's humans. It's Satan. Yahweh doesn't have anything to do with calamity or problems. But if that's the case, then somebody other than Yahweh would have the most power. Somebody other than Yahweh would be sovereign and things would happen in the world without Yahweh having the power to overturn them. Worse than that, if Yahweh is not sovereign, then bad things happen for no purpose. Whoever has the most free will is in control. And I believe the Scriptures teach that Yahweh has the freest will of anybody. Everybody wants to argue about man's free will. Very, very few times do you ever hear anybody talk about the free will of Yahweh. Yahweh has the freest will of all. He is the most powerful being in the universe. The fact is, scripturally, that no matter what happens, whether it is a little stillborn baby or a tidal wave 
that wipes out a community on the edge of the ocean. Yahweh has the power to override or stop any of that. But in some cases, He doesn't. He is Yahweh. He is sovereign. And I don't believe that we should try to fix the problem of evil or trouble or calamity by saying that it happens outside of Yahweh's power. I don't think that's wise and I think that builds a bad theological building. Job did not believe that. Job knew that Yahweh was the one that took away. And we should agree with Brother Job who is perfect and upright. Even though Yahweh doesn't always directly cause bad, He indirectly allows it to take place. But why? Why does Yahweh allow bad things to happen? Well, that's the million dollar question. Isn't it? That's the question that hurting people have looked at me with tears in their eyes and asked, why? Brother Matthew, why? Expecting an answer. And in this lesson, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you part of the answer from the Bible. I can speak where the Scripture speaks, but beyond that, I don't have the answer. What I'm hoping, though, is this, is that by us looking at a portion of the answer, it will help us make it through the trials and calamities and diseases and deaths that we all encounter and face or we're going to encounter and face. So in Romans 8, verse 18, it says again, and this is Paul the Apostle writing, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. So there are sufferings of this present time. That's now. That's the time we live in. That's the current heavens and earth. If you ever hear a preacher tell you that God's children aren't supposed to ever have any problems, that's a false teaching. That's called the prosperity gospel. It's a false gospel. It's not what the gospel is about at all. Now, I do believe that the Bible teaches success and prosperity for those that keep the commandments of Yahweh. And what that means is that you will live a better life keeping Yahweh's commandments than you will live if you don't. But what that doesn't mean is that you will be exempt from sufferings. Because, why? You live in this present age and you live in your corruptible body. So you will have sufferings in this present time. All of the righteous men and women that we read of in Scripture... They all lived in this present time, in this present age, the current heavens and earth. And they had times of suffering. My mind went not only to Job, who lost all ten of his children in one day, in the first two chapters of Job. I'm sure he cried, he mourned them in dust and ashes. But my mind also went to Jacob, Jacob Israel, who watched his wife, his beloved wife, Rachel, die while she was giving birth to a son, Benjamin. And she wanted to name the son Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrow. And Jacob said, no, I will name him Ben-Yamin, which means son of my right hand. He sat there and watched his wife die in labor, and I'm sure he cried as well. So saints in the Scriptures suffered, just like we suffer now. But the sufferings of this present time are only temporary for the believer. As hard as things can be in this present age, if we are a believer, if you are a believer in the Messiah, a genuine believer, you're promised glory in the age to come. 
is called the resurrection of the righteous in the Bible. No matter if you're paralyzed or diseased or blind or feeble at death or whatever, you will receive a new immortal body at the resurrection. That's the promise. The blessed hope is the resurrection of our body. In the same way that Yahweh raised up Yeshua from death, that great good news message that we talk about many times, the same way that Yahweh did that for His Son, He will raise us up from death at the Master's second coming. And all that the Messiah experienced, the torture, the beating, the crucifixion, none of that affected Him at His resurrection and thereafter. He was able to walk. He was able to talk. He was able to move better than ever before. He was able to go through a wall. But yet He still ate fish. He had a new incorruptible body. And the same thing is promised for all those who are in the Messiah. So anything that you are going through now or will go through later in this life, in this present age, it's not even worth comparing to what you will experience in the kingdom that is to come. So we keep our eyes on Yahweh and we keep our eyes on His Messiah. I said last week or last time I taught that I believe in physical healing in this life. I believe in miracles in this life. All through the Bible I see where people experienced miracles in this present age. But a miracle now is not always promised for you now. And that's okay. Because what is promised for every single believer is everlasting life and a body that will never grow old. Perfect health. No trials. No diseases. So some people were healed physically in the Bible, but those people, you know what? They went on to die. And this is why I believe that spiritual healing is more important than physical healing. I think it's wonderful if a physical miracle heals someone now. And I think it's wonderful that they get more years on this earth. But that person will eventually still die. And it will be sad. If my granddaddy who would have, let's say he would have went on to be healed at the age of 77, I would have rejoiced that I had some more years with him, but he still would have went on to die. Because it's the present age. Because he has a corruptible body. He would not last forever in that body. So the most important thing is spiritual healing from sin. Number one. Making sure your inner spiritual reality is healthy. You can enter the kingdom. Yeshua taught that you can enter the kingdom with one eye or one hand. In Matthew chapter 5. But you cannot enter the kingdom with a dirty spirit. Spiritual healing is more important. Romans 8, 19-21 For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for Yahweh's children to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage of corruption into the glorious freedom of Yahweh's children. So everything in this creation was condemned when? At the fall. Genesis 3. Not just mankind, not just Adam and Eve, but the animals, the plants, even the ground was cursed. Everything was subjected to futility. And it happened, Paul says, not willingly, not of its own accord, 
but by the will of Him who subjected it. Who do you think that is? That's Yahweh. That's the one that's sovereign. That's the one that's in complete control. Nobody can override what He wants. If He wants something to happen, it happens. If He doesn't want something to happen, it doesn't happen. So Yahweh subjected the creation to futility due to the transgression that took place there in the Garden of Eden. Now I mentioned last time that just because somebody has a sickness or a disease does not always mean that there is some type of personal unrepentant sin in their life. That's something we like or a lot of people like to put off on other people when the other people get sick or diseased. But then when they get sick or diseased, especially in the charismatic world, well, it's just the trials of Job. I don't like that. I like to be easier on others than I am on myself. I'm going to be hard on somebody. I'm going to be hard on myself first and more compassionate on other people. So it doesn't mean that there's always some type of unrepentant sin in your life if you get sick. At the same time, though, this is also true. At the same time, all sickness, trouble, and death that exist in this world is due to transgression as a whole. The fact that we are fallen humanity. So when Adam failed in the garden, we failed with Adam. Romans chapter 5, Paul teaches this beautifully. Because Adam was our representative. And then Yahweh placed all of creation under the headship of depravity or subjected to futility, as this translation says. But Yahweh did it so that we would hope for a setting free from this bondage that we have. He did it to give us a backdrop. Catch this. He did it to give us a backdrop that enables us to see good and beauty in a way that we would have never seen it otherwise. Now, I have up here today a white tie that I have worn on a few occasions. Not that big of a tie wearer. But this is a white tie. It symbolizes purity today. And I say that because the Scripture speaks of being cleansed and washed whiter than snow. You ever seen beautiful snow fall down and hits the ground? Nobody's touched it and it's white. Pure, clean. In Psalm 51, David prays, Wash me and I will be whiter. Whiter. Not as white, but whiter than snow. Now, you can see this tie as I hold it up, but I feel like Brother Jerry with my, with my props. But if I put a dark background behind it, the tie becomes more apparent. The light shines forth when the darkness is there. It's no different than when a righteous person walks into a crowd of unrighteous people. The righteousness is able to be seen brightly when there's a backdrop of unrighteousness behind it. We would never appreciate the good things in life or the times of prosperity or the love of a friend if we had nothing to compare it to. It makes the good shine when we have the bad to compare it against. I hope you see that. So, <laughs> so if Yahweh is sovereign, which means He has the freest will of all and He's in complete control, whenever a bad thing happens, there is always a greater purpose working behind the scenes. Now, we cannot always see that. And it's because we're human. And we're not meant to always see it. But we can trust that the greater purpose of Yahweh 
somehow is behind it. This is why in the book of Genesis, when Joseph was thrown into the pit and then sold by his own flesh and blood brethren, sold to the Ishmaelite traders, and eventually he ended up at a prison for over two years down in Egypt and then was accused of committing adultery with Potiphar's wife. He went through all this calamity and then in the end, he was exalted to second in command over all the land of Egypt. And when his brothers finally repented for what they had done to him, Joseph understood the sovereignty of Yahweh. He said, don't worry brothers, it's okay. You meant it for evil, but Yahweh meant it for good. One action, not two actions, the same action that the brothers meant to harm Joseph. Yahweh had all that planned out and meant it for good. Why? Because he was going to use Joseph to supply food to people during the famine. An even greater example is found in the book of Acts chapter 4 where the early assembly lifts up their voices in unison to pray a prayer to Yahweh and they talked about that the crucifixion of the Messiah was by the plan and predestination of Yahweh. said that Pontius Pilate and the people of Israel and the heathens, they did what Yahweh's hand had planned and predestined to take place, the torture and death of the Messiah. Why? Because Yahweh wanted a resurrection. And you can't have a resurrection without having a death. So they did that to the Messiah and He did not deserve what took place of His own. But Paul says in Galatians 3 that He became a curse for us. Never leave those two little words off of that sentence. The Messiah became a curse for us. See, So He took our sins upon Himself. Isaiah 53. But they meant it for evil. Yahweh meant it for good. One action. Same thing. So on the one hand, Yahweh placed creation under the headship of depravity due to sin. But on the other hand, He did it so that in the hope that one day it will be set free from this slavery. And we wondered, why does He just, just doesn't all redeem it right now? And believers throughout history have been wondering that for a long time. But He is Yahweh. The self-existent One that causes to be Sometimes He does redeem parts of creation right now with physical healing, but other times He chooses not to and He is Yahweh. He will always do what He sees to be fit and to be best and we have to trust in that and rely on that. Romans eight twenty two through 23 last two verses, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. And, and that's talking about all creation. Plants, animals, the ground groaning with labor pains. Verse 23, and not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits, that's believers, we've been given a down payment, not the fullness, but the down payment of the Holy Spirit, earnest money of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians talks about that. Paul talks about here in Romans as well. We groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. There is a sense in which we've already been adopted, spiritually, but there is another sense in which the full adoption will take place. When? At the resurrection, when we get the new body, immortality, deathlessness. There's another verse that correlates with this in John's Gospel. I'm just going to read it. In John 16, verse 21, Yeshua says this, When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her time has come. 
But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been born into the world. This is the illustration that we're given in Romans 8, labor pains, for comparing the now with the later. As tough as the labor is, the birth of the child overshadows that. As tough as life is with all that we have to endure, the kingdom overshadows that. The kingdom will make us forget that. Revelation 21 says that Yahweh will wipe every tear out from our eye. And death will exist no more. No more crying, no more grief, no more sorrow, no more pain. So these bodies that we have, they get old and they wear out and they stop working. But they will be redeemed. They will be fully adopted into the family of Yahweh. That's the resurrection. In this present life, we will go through things that are not joyful. But if you are in the Messiah, if you belong to the Messiah, you will get to spend eternity in joy. We experience pain and grief and suffering now, but then no pain, no grief. No sorrow. The former things will pass away. And this lesson is a little bit of an explanation as to why pain and suffering exist in this life. It stems from a corporate as a whole subjection of the creation to depravity as far back as Genesis chapter 3. Now, I'd like to close today with two testimonies. Both from sisters in the faith that have had to deal with sickness and death. The first one will help us see what damage that the so-called prosperity gospel causes in people's lives. And the second one will encourage us to keep the faith in spite of our sickness or disease or trials or troubles or calamities. So the first testimony I'm going to share today is from a sister named Tanya Mills. I've been friends with her on Facebook now for a couple of years. She's a fellow believer in the Messiah. She is uh, Torah observant, and she's also a keeper of what we call the Lunar Sabbath reckoning. So she follows that method as well. And this past week, I posted some of my sermon notes for this sermon on Facebook, and she commented with this. This is Sister Tanya's comment. Brother Matthew, I would love to chime in on this particular thread of comments. I sat under prosperity pastors our last four years in the church. My daughter developed cancer during this time, and I sought the Scriptures for name it and claim it healing Scriptures. As I did this, I began to see things I had not seen before. And it was during this time that I began to see the need to walk in obedience to the Torah. The Scriptures were not about me calling the shots, but were more about the Father's presence in all things. But out of desperation, I not only prayed for healing, but I declared health and proclaimed healing. I stood on the Word, fasting and praying. Towards the end of my daughter's battle, I came to the revelation that some of us will face the lion in the den. Some of us will go through the furnace of affliction. We lost our daughter at 26 years of age with two very young children. And a husband. And my faith was wounded beyond repair, or so it felt. I had so much prosperity gospel inside of me that it took me a very long time to shake my anger, hurt, and disappointment in the Father. Because He was supposed to be good and give us what we declared and proclaimed. It took a lot of wrestling and a lot of reading and a ton of tears and prayer to realize that it's not my will that matters but He is.
And He is good because He saw me through every ounce of grief I endured and continue to endure. Nobody, and I do mean nobody, can console a grieving mother like our Heavenly Father who also experienced a child who suffered horrible pain. There was nothing I felt that He hadn't already felt as well. It was very comforting to not be all alone in that pain. Now, I said all of that to say this. The prosperity gospel is causing a lot of pain and suffering in the lives of those facing unanswered prayers, loss of loved ones, loss of income, sickness, and so forth. It is truly a very damaging teaching. That's the end of her comment. I asked her permission to share that, and she said I could. This is why I'm teaching these sermons on sickness, disease, healing, and the will of Yahweh. It is because people need to understand from a minister what the Bible actually teaches about these things. I truly believe, I really believe that had this sister understood the things that we've went over in the last sermon and this sermon, I believe that she would have been able to better endure what she went through instead of being under the false prosperity gospel teaching. Now, I'm not saying that she would not have hurt. Nothing can take away that kind of hurt. And I'm not diminishing it at all. I'm just saying that the biblical position on these things would have helped her through that hurt in a way that the prosperity gospel teaching cannot help. Now, one more testimony. This next sister's testimony is from a sister that we all know and love, Sister Denise Bowen. She was such a big part of this congregation. Not just a member, but a pillar. That's right. And I don't ever want to forget her. It's emotional for me to bring her up, but I never want to forget her. And I feel like we need to continue to teach all of the children that are born into this congregation what an impact that she had. On all of us. Denise was faithful to Yahweh. She was a prayer warrior. She was a person who fasted often. She read the scriptures daily. She kept the commandments. She was very serious about her faith. Whenever I taught a convicting sermon, and when I was younger, I taught a lot more convicting sermons, I guess, than I do now. I pray that Yahweh continues to help me be more compassionate and not teach with a hammer. <laughs> but whenever I would teach a convicting sermon, she would approach me either afterwards or in the next few days and she would ask me to pray for her to do better. It always seems like it's the righteous people that see their sin and want to do better. Because sometimes when she would come to me, I would think in my mind, you don't have anything to worry about. Why are you coming to me? You're in good standing with the Creator. That's not how she saw it. She was sensitive to sin. And sensitivity to sin, according to the book of 1 John, sensitivity to sin is one of the marks of a genuine believer. No matter how righteous or close to Yahweh you are, if you are truly born from above, you will always see the sin in your own life and seek to get rid of it more and more and more. You'll never feel like you've arrived. 
you'll always want to press toward the mark of the prize, the high calling of Yahweh in the Messiah. So when Denise got sick, I still remember the first time, early 2017, when I talked to Brother Frankie and we were all praying for her and she prayed for herself. And I remember all of us came over here to the church and we gathered one evening and we prayed for her. We had prayer time for, for her and we sang a few songs. Uh, no music, just singing voices to Yahweh. And I remember before our 2017 Jasper Jam, the biggest one we've ever had, best one we've ever had, I remember going down to band rehearsal and I would go down early because I wanted to sit down and talk to Denise. And she would sit there and she would cry. And she would share with me what scriptures that she had been reading. And she would tell me how she still loved Yahweh and how that she still believed that Yahweh was good and she believed in His goodness and she would say it with tears in her eyes. And how she maintained faith that she would be healed. And of course, we believe that she was healed. She never stopped believing in Yahweh. She was like a modern day Job for our little small assembly. Uh, we read about Job in the Bible, but we never knew him, but we knew Denise. And she went through her trouble and she never wavered in her faith. So we have a tangible example, something that we can remember and look at and dwell on. And Yahweh used her to touch so many people through her sickness. I remember when her and Brother Frankie were out west, I think it was California or Mexico, somewhere where they were at this clinic and Frankie sent me a picture where Denise, as sick as she was, she was going around the room and she was praying for the other sick people that they would be healed. I bring up Denise's example to encourage us when we face a trial, a sickness, or a disease. I know we don't like to think about this, but we are going to experience more deaths in this congregation. We we are a family here. This isn't just a this isn't a club or something we just come to to go through the motions. This is a genuine congregation. This is an assembly of Yahweh. We're here to help each other out. When one suffers, all suffer. When one rejoices, all rejoice. That's how we believe it around here. That's how it's going to stay around here. But we're going to experience a lot of deaths in this congregation as the years progress. Some of us may die from old age. Some of us may die from a sickness. Some of us may die at a young age unexpectedly. We don't know. I've already seen it happen in my own blood family and in my spiritual family. I've seen it happen. We don't know when the last day, when our last day here on earth is. We don't know. And when it happens, it is okay for us to weep and to mourn. And I'll talk about that next time I teach in the next lesson in this series. But we must keep going through all of this. Even when it's us that experiences the trial. Sister Denise would want everybody in here to keep serving Yahweh. If I remember right, Brother Frankie told me some of her last words to her children was, 
Remember to keep the commandments of Yahweh. And because my mind works this way, when I heard him tell me that or text me that, I immediately went to when David, King David, was dying. And he used his last words to tell Solomon, do not stray from the commandments of Yahweh. And Frankie said that's one of the last things she told her girls who love, loved her and still do love her. She would want everybody to keep serving Yahweh. She would still say to us today, Hold on, soldier. Don't give up. <clears throat> and she would not want us to give up fighting our spiritual battle. Now, I know this lesson is an emotional one, but I hope that it helps you and many others who listen or watch the sermon I hope that it helps in some way to have a better understanding of why bad things happen and how we as believers should view sickness or disease if it comes knocking on our door. It is okay. This is something that I do in my life. It is okay that when you get sick to do any repenting that you feel you need to do. It is perfectly fine. Because there are cases where Yahweh can punish people due to their sin. So if I get sick, especially if it's a bad one, I check myself. Yahweh, I'm sorry. I know you discipline those you love. Please heal me. I repent. I'll do better. Forgive me for my sins. That's something that I do in my life. And that's something that everybody needs to practice in their own life because we should always begin by pointing the finger at ourselves rather than other people. But church people can be so judgmental and harsh. Towards folks. That's right, brother. That's right. And we don't want to be Pharisees no, in this church. No, so it's okay to examine yourself when you get sick. But don't go around saying somebody has a demon just because they get sick. That's right, I had another, another sister comment on that same Facebook post and she said that her daughter who is now healed, she had a skin disease and she had it for three years and I don't know this person as well. She said that a Christian told her that the reason that she had the skin disease was because a demon was trying to crawl out of her skin. Charismatic chaos. That's what it is. Yes, I said it. And I'm being light. I won't say what I want to. I shudder to think of what Yahweh might do to someone who has no compassion or mercy upon sick people. I shudder to think what Yahweh would do. I read today in Luke 6 where Yeshua said, Do not condemn and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given unto you. Brother or sister, there's going to come a time in your life when you're going to need some mercy. And you better hope that you've stored up some in your bank account by giving it out to other people. Amen. Listen, I'm talking to you. That's right. Give it out liberally. Be compassionate. Be merciful. Cry with people. That's right. Hug them when they need to be hugged. That's right, brother. Come on. Because one day, you'll need it. And when you need it, then you're going to believe this message. If we condemn, we will be condemned. But if we show mercy, mercy will be shown to us. I love everybody here. I want to close with one more verse. 2 Corinthians 
I'm just going to read it. I shared this with Brother TJ one morning when I was studying for this sermon because the verse touched my spirit so, so good. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse 14, knowing that the one who raised the Master Yeshua will raise us also with Him and present us with you. For all this is because of you, so that grace extended through more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to Yahweh's glory. Therefore we do not give up. Verse 16. We do not give up. We get tired. We get weary. My mama told me it's okay to stop and take a rest. Just don't go backwards. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. He that endureth to the end shall be saved, brothers and sisters. Therefore we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. Verse 17, For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. The sufferings of this present time are not even worth comparing to the glory that's that's going to be revealed to us. That's why why we should want every person that we see to be saved. And you're going to do it not with a hammer. You can't hate people into the kingdom. But I believe you can help people into the kingdom by showing them love. I love everybody here. I'll pick this up next time I I teach. May Yahweh bless you. Shalom.